All right. Welcome in, everybody. This is Achuta Bhava from Nightlight Astrology. And today I am going to talk to you guys about three transits that I have my eye on in 2022. Um, I am not releasing publicly my full treatment of 2022 because that's a special reward that I'm giving people through the Kickstarter. But I thought that what I would do is just talk about three transits in 2022 that I have my eye on that I feel are important. I have spoken about these publicly in numerous places already, uh, so I figured um, this wouldn't be ruining anything, but I will. I want to uh, repeat before I begin today, and I'll say this a few times, this is not nearly the comprehensive treatment that you will uh, receive if you pick up the Astrology of 2022 video from my Kickstarter. So uh, more on that in a second. So that's our goal today, talk about three transits that I have my eye on in 2022 that I think could be really important. And um, tomorrow, before New Year's uh, Day, I will be doing the astrology of January in particular, as I always do the overview for the month. Tomorrow, I'll probably do a live stream and just take a look at the astrology of um, 2020, uh, excuse me, January of 2022. Uh, and I'll probably do that as a live stream as well. So uh, where are you all coming from? Before we dive in today, I'd love to see where you guys are coming from. Uh, from France, Wales, New Mexico, Mississippi, Arkansas, Chile, Switzerland, Seattle, Maine, Colorado District 4. Always, always the first in the box, John. I love it. Hey, Tommy, I love that you're here. Good to see you. Awesome. Good to see. And Faye's here too. How are you guys? Awesome. Good to see you guys. Well, okay. So um, before we dive in, you guys know that I'm banging the drum for my Kickstarter today. As of the start of this live stream, we are at 1,315 backers with one more day to go. Today and tomorrow are our last days of the Kickstarter. We have about 50 hours left to go if you want to break it down to hours, just a tiny bit over two days. And we are at 1,315 backers. We're trying to get to 1,367 backers. <clears throat> Let's see. Yeah, that leaves us about 52 backers shy right now. So we need 52 more backers today and tomorrow to pitch in in order to cross our finish line. And um, when we get there, if there's still time left, what we'll be doing is just raising the bar for next year. How high can we go and how high can we set the bar for next year to try to match or beat? The Kickstarter link is in the comment section in the live stream, but it'll also be in the comments of the post after it has um, translated into, uh, after the live stream is posted, it will be in the comment section and also the description of the video. Um, so I really uh, can't thank you all enough. Our, I wasn't sure we were going to make it, to be honest. And now I feel like, I'm, I feel like we really could make it. There's not too many backers left that we need in just two days. Um, everyone is really pitched in here at the very end. Thanks for giving me a heart attack, but um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, we, we have a number total that we think will help us reach our goal. 
Um, we set the bar in terms of the funding in Kickstarter, it's all or nothing funding. So we set the bar at about a third of what we need just so that if we get really close, but we don't make it, we don't lose everything that we've raised. And um, Kickstarter lets you do that too, which is nice. But uh, so some people have said, hey, look, it looks like you surpassed your goal. No, that's just the bare minimum that we surpassed so that we um, don't lose everything we raise in case we don't get there. We're very close now. Um, about 50 more backers, and we should be very close to both our backer total goal and our financial goal for the year. Um, if you are able to donate still and haven't, I will put the link into the chat box a few times today. Uh, really appreciate your support. And I'm going to take you to the Kickstarter page. You guys know the drill. I'm going to show you the different things you can pick up when you donate. Got lots of good rewards. <clears throat> should also mention that I, my office is above our garage and it's been freezing or below freezing here. And usually I turn the heat down, you know, overnight and then fire it up in the morning. Well, I am probably going to have to leave it up a little bit more at night because it is frigid in here. Um, but <clears throat> all right. So here's the Kickstarter page. When you pitch in a bunch of different rewards, you can receive video that, teaches you how to start a mantra meditation practice. That's one of our most popular rewards this year. The astrology of 2022 video. Don't get it mixed up. The, what the talk I'm doing today is very brief. I'm just looking at three transits. In that talk, I think I have about 50 that I look at for the year. So it is a, a deep dive into the astrology of 2022. Um, and it comes with a calendar outlining a PDF calendar that we made. It's really beautiful. Delia made it. And, um, and Nanise, I don't know if you guys have met Nanise before, but these are two of my staff who helped me make this. And um, it's a beautiful PDF calendar that allow you to follow along with all the transits I'm tracking on the year, plus some of those that I'm not tracking. You guys know every month there's a lot of transits. I usually track sort of the big ones, and I may leave out some that are faster or smaller or whatever. But there's a calendar with all of it that comes with that video. Um, <clears throat> we also have a... <coughs> excuse me, a year ahead horoscope reading. I've been working on those uh, each day. So that is a deep dive, a look at usually about 30 transits or so on the year that are the biggest, most important transits for your sun or rising sign horoscope. Um, those also come with the calendar. We decided to throw in uh, the calendar for that one for your rising sign, which gives you a look at some of the transits of the year based on your ruling planet. So that's just kind of like the um, the highlights of the year. So if you're an Aries rising, you'll see the major mo moments for Mars in that calendar, uh, which is pretty cool too. So at any rate, uh, then we have, we do have some readings left at the uh, horary questions. That's a great one. You can just use three horary questions whenever you want on the year as credits. Just toss me a horary question. And you got three of them for, for 2022. And then of course, the best deal in the house is in you pitch in at the $900 level, you get any one of my classes. Um, and that's about 50% off the normal rate. Fantastic. If you want to take my year one class, Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystic, it starts in June or November on the weekends. You can participate live, follow along remotely because we store and record all of the 
uh, classes on a class website. There's a discussion forum, there's tutoring staff, there's breakout study sessions, there's over 100 hours worth of live classroom content on the year, there's 12 guest lecturers, uh, there's tons of bonus material. You guys have heard my spiel every time. It is really the best time of year if you want to take one of my classes to save. It's $400 cheaper than even the early bird rate. We do this and we hype all this up so that everything we offer can also remain in sliding scales. All of our speaker series on the year that we open up to the public, those are free for the public because this, this Kickstarter pays them. Um, we use that uh, for, for them. I pay a staff. I have two people that I pay uh, that are almost full-time. Well, one of them's full-time. The other one's almost full-time in terms of just making sure the content goes out every day, is edited, looks nice, uh, is glitch or mistake-free. It doesn't always look like it, but a lot of these videos have some really nice editing done in them that you, you can't even tell that it was done. Whole sections where I might mess up on something and want it taken out. And, um, and the transcripts that are posted, um, <clears throat> lots of things that are happening every day. Thanks to Cat uh, and thanks to Delia. So they get paid. This is how I manage to do this content and stay sane is because I do this Kickstarter and I'm able to pay them. I'm able to support myself and my family because of this is part of how I earn a living as an astrologer. So it's deeply appreciated when you pitch in. You can combine the classes too. You can combine two of them and save more than 50% off. Three of them, it goes even further down. And if you do all four of them, you're basically getting uh, one class for maybe maybe even almost like a class and a half for free out of the four that I offer. It's a really good deal. So at any rate, <clears throat> I uh, what did I say? I think we're at about 50 some backers needed left. That's it. 50 backers left. We're almost there. Okay. Thank you guys so much for letting me, you know, beat the drum every day. Most of you have been uh, very kind and patient. <laughs> uh, and let's see here. I'm going to now open up the transits and we're going to look at the transit by wheel or the transit wheel, excuse me, the real time clock. And I'm going to show you some of the transits that I really uh, I have my eye on three major transits of 2022 that I have my eye on this year. So I'm going to share on my screen and we're going to pl plug in Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. So the first one is a transit from Jupiter that is, a, a, let's call it a movement from Jupiter that happens in April into May. I think that this is one of the most interesting transits of the year. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> By the way, the reason you see me in my glasses, you'll typically know that I've been up late at night, the night before if I'm wearing my glasses. Um, <clears throat> last night, I got roped into putting together a Playmobil fairy castle and screw that. <laughs> that's how I feel about that four hours <clears throat> I just sat on the floor and watched Lord of the Rings because I was like I need something that's gonna take I need something that's gonna take up like all evening after the kids are in bed so I'm sitting there watching Fellowship of the Ring building a fairy castle and like like with these instructions it was absurd I didn't get to bed until after midnight because of that stupid thing although I will tell you that um I woke up and when I, 
I woke up and there was a piece of paper, like a big construction piece of paper next to my bed that just had the very um, sweet handwriting. Thank you, daddy. <laughs> my wife made my wife made my daughter write a thank you note <laughs> and put it and put it right next to me where I was sleeping. Oh, man. Anyway, so. <clears throat> so that was it. Lord of the Rings and fairy castles last night for me. Okay, I digress. There is a movement from Jupiter this year in April and into May that I think is going to be really important. And I've talked about it before with you guys. You guys have heard me speak about this before, but I think it is one of the major transits of the year. And so we're going to take a look at it. So first of all, let's just notice that around the middle of April, this is right around April 13th into the 14th. Let's back this up a day. Uh, you can see actually they come together on the 12th. This is about the 12th of April. There it is. Jupiter conjoins Neptune in Pisces. Now it's not so much just the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction that I'm concerned about or that I, I have my eye on. It's what happens afterward. Here is one of the most uplifting, sort of magical, inspiring, romantic, spiritual, possibly totally ungrounded transits of the year, you know, um, Jupiter, Neptune, look, you got an exalted Venus hanging out in Pisces at the same time. This is like speaking of putting together fairy princess castles. This is the fairy princess <laughs> transit of the year. I just have this weird feeling that I'm going to somehow get stuck at Disney world during this transit, you know, <laughs> like, but it honestly, like, I see this as I, yesterday, actually, I was doing, um, I was making some of my year ahead horoscope readings in which I talk about this transit as one of the transits of the year for all 12 signs. And I drew the judgment card where there's an angel like blasting a trumpet and all these people are rising from the dead. And um, honestly, I get that kind of feeling from this sequence because Jupiter Neptune can be so emotionally redeeming. The feeling of upliftment, imagination, inspiration, the sense of a new vision or dream, one inspired by a sense of what we care about, what we're concerned with. That's the power of this feminine water sign uh, for there to be a, a strong dose of uh, emotional, compassionate, sensitive, dreamy, romantic concern. I'm inspired by something. It's like if you go to a retreat and you come home and, you know, you know, for maybe like a couple of weeks, okay, it's starting to get warmer in here, but now my hair looks like that. So I'm going to keep the cap on. <laughs> so at any rate, <clears throat> you come home from a retreat and you feel inspired and you make some major changes in your life because of that wave of inspiration that comes through. I see this transit like that. But it's, of course, the shadow side, the shadow side would, of course, be, you know, the, um, the potential to be swept up in some irrational, ungrounded, illusory fantasy world or, or to 
trip out, you know, in some, in some major way. <laughs> okay. So I think in the tarot, if you think of the seven of cups, all of the phantasmic uh, things crawling out of the cups and the clouds and the guys looking up at it, maybe it's a little bit of seven of cups going on. I wouldn't be surprised if there were, for example, um, people losing themselves, demonstrating poor boundaries or getting swept up. You know, it's like every third or fourth person I speak to has had a Kundalini awakening, one of the rarest things you know, that, that exists. <laughs> every third person has had one. So I'm kidding. But could this be that moment where you have mental, emotional um, collapse, but it comes through in a state of, of mania. Yeah, that, that can happen as well. A lot of people that, um, you know, experience major shifts in life, uh, spiritual, psychological, or otherwise, it happens because of a state that's very inspiring, but also takes you right out of your center in some way. I remember um, <clears throat> I had a Uranus transit one time that was, Uranus is a little bit this is not so much like Uranus, what I'm describing, but I had a Uranus transit one time, while at the same time, there was a powerful Neptune transit in the air. And I accidentally drank a load of iced tea with caffeine in it at a uh, baseball game and ended up not being able to sleep all night. But in that state, I, I it was like download down, like all these downloads, I was laying in bed, just like I was plugged into the wall or something. And uh, plugged into an outlet. And it was, uh, it was really, I didn't feel right. You know what I mean? Like I didn't feel healthy. Um, but it was very inspiring. So could you see some of that with Jupiter Neptune in the spring? Um, some state of, you know, you know, just a fever pitch, an, an emotional tidal wave that comes through this water sign that is kind of Shakespearean and dramatic and over the top and maybe unstable or destabilizing. Yeah, you could see that. There's a boatload of a boatload of water. That doesn't, that doesn't sound, sounds weird. So if you're if you have a boatload of water, you're in trouble. But I could see that happening. But my point is just that uh, I I think it's probably much more likely that you're going to see very graceful elevated and um, enriching qualities emotionally, philosophically, spiritually. I just, I love this transit. It's my favorite transit of 2022 by far, but it's for me, it's not so much this transit alone as what comes after it. <clears throat> so if you watch, here is what happens. Jupiter this is remember it's like april 12th or so and then all of a sudden you get right around may 10th you're going to see jupiter go into aries where it will then spend time all the way until later in october then pretty close on the heels of jupiter entering aries you're going to see mars also entering aries and conjoining jupiter so let's say early May through the end of May, following on the heels of the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction in Pisces, then you get Jupiter entering the bloody war, you know, the, the, the bloody war god sign. This spring sign of Mars exalts the sun. If that is like one of the most over-the-top powerful action-oriented 
um, placements for Jupiter. It's inceptional. It loves to start new things. Will it finish them or not? Hard to say. Aries is like, you know, Johnny Appleseed just goes around the country, planting lots of trees, hope someone takes care of them, you know, hope, hope that they grow. But it's pioneering, it's trailblazing, it, it's very assertive, it's aggressive, it's ambitious, and it loves to start things. So <clears throat> then you get Mars coming in. I apologize. <clears throat> I've said this before on this channel. I have a very specific form of reflux. And um, over the holidays, the bad habit of drinking LaCroix has set in, which usually makes my reflux bad for like a couple of days afterwards. And I just can't stop drinking them. So that's why you hear me clearing my throat more. And it was probably TMI. But just in case people know, people always ask me or like give tons of completely free advice. Take this, take that. I'm like, listen, I just need to stop drinking LaCroix. I know exactly what's going on. It's hard to live with. <clears throat> I don't know if any of you, any others of you have ever dealt with it, but there's like a million things you can't eat. If you waver a little bit, then, and you speak for a living, then you get that. And I speak all day long for a living. So it's something I have to be like, just hyper diligent about. Anyway, this Mars Jupiter transit then amplifies all of those initiating qualities from Jupiter, specifically because Mars is the ruler and the host, and Mars also loves to start things. So I see this combination and I think about two possibilities. One is that we see this wave of inspiration coming through in April with the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction, followed by this, and you get the feeling of putting something into motion or enacting something or trying to um, start something that is rooted in the inspiration coming through in April. So April, May, I get the feeling of vision followed by initiation, followed by initiating actions. That to me is the most interesting sequence of 2022 because I see the possibility for a lot of creative growth, a lot of exciting new developments, whether it's personally and psychologically, like let's say, let's say that personally, you're just, there's a big growth step that's happening that would match with this, but it wouldn't just be some internal realization that you have. It would be something that you need to do something about that you need to make concrete, you know, decisions about, and you're going to do them fast and rapidly once that month of May comes along. Um, and you're going to do it no matter what anyone else thinks. It's a very independent, free spirited, you know, I do what I want. That's it's very Mars Jupiter. So the second possibility and the one that I think, you know, more collectively that I worry about is zealousness. Um, this combination, if you back it up just a little bit, you'll see that Mars goes through a conjunction with Neptune. <clears throat> see this little combination right there? That is very Christ-like in the sense of pouring yourself sacrificially into things that you care about which is why I love this transit in terms of it being a motivating transit for change, the confidence you need to start something new. Beautiful. I see this and I also go, here's people dying for things that they believe in. 
which to me could translate into sort of political or religious fanaticism and possible hostility, such as terrorist attacks. This would be one of my unfortunate, like mundane predictions for the year. This combination could easily turn into the person who's willing to give their life in order to harm others in the name of a belief. To me, that would probably be the worst of this would be fanaticism, that there's some uh, element of fanatical, you know, enactment of fanatical beliefs that are happening here. Um, so I would watch for that as the maybe shadow or edge sort of edginess of this transit. I could also see in general, there being a sense of emotional zealousness that drives actions, in which case you want to be sure that you're tempering things um, with reason and care and patience and, you know, make sure you have a process in place. It, you know, it's not, I, I know that sounds kind of like, I don't know, you don't want to kill the vibe of such a beautiful, I mean, sometimes you just need to be inspired and go do things really rapidly and in an inspired state and who you don't always need someone there being like, don't lose yourself, stay grounded, you know. Uh, but <clears throat> I would say, given that we're also seeing right around the same time at the end of April, we're seeing eclipse in Taurus coming through and Taurian energy in the air. I do think that there will be some support there for us, uh, some earthy support, which could counteract the tendencies of earth or of water and fire to be very emotional and passionate without concern for the appropriate strategy or the appropriate, you know, implementing things in the right order so that things don't fly off the rails or so that there's some chance that things can last and thrive beyond just the initial energy burst that we'll see when Mars gets together with Jupiter and so forth. So that's my take on that. The, the, to me, this is uh, transit number one that I have my eye on. Okay, transit number two that I have my eye on. And let me repeat for everybody who's watching this, this is not the comprehensive treatment of 2022 that I do in the reward video from the Kickstarter. There are lots of trans. I think there's like, I don't remember. I think there's like 50 transits or something like that, that I cover in that video. So it's that this is um, just three transits that I have my eye on this year that I think uh, everyone probably who studies astrology already knows these two. So the next transit that I have my eye on doesn't come until much later in the year in September and October we're going to see a return of Saturn and Uranus. Here are the two planets. You can see them right there. And they're getting into a square with each other one more time. You can see them both coming into the 18th degree by early October. Maybe it's late September. It's right around there. But they'll be really in the same kind of dynamic that we've been experiencing with them for all of 2021, one last time in the fall, even though they don't perfect down to the minute. So it's not a perfect perfecting aspect. They're within a degree of one another, especially September and October. Um, you can feel it a little bit in the month of November as well, um, but they really start to clear out from each other by about mid-November, there's getting to be about three degrees away and parting. And it's that three degree range you want to watch for. So let's say September, October into early November, it's Saturn Uranus again. 
incremental openings, incremental awakenings. I'm looking at the fall and saying, look, for as expansive and exciting and new and fresh and doors kicking open as the spring energy is in April and May, there is that conservative, I'm talking energetically now, a conservative kind of backlash that comes in the fall. And as that backlash comes in, it doesn't intensify to the point where you know, the transit is perfecting, they're moving back and forth over each other through retrogrades perfectly. They're actually not, they're gonna come, but they're gonna come close again. For example, I think we have midterm elections here in the United States. I wouldn't be surprised. It's pretty common during midterm elections that the opposite party from the previous election will gain momentum back or they'll gain seats back or whatever. I wouldn't be surprised in the US if the Republican party uh, had some real success in 2022 um, based on the Saturn-Uranus square that's coming back in the fall. It's a, it's a time where you could see restrictions coming back a little bit as well, or the gradual opening or shifting of restrictions. And like we did just recently, uh, Jupiter leaves <laughs> Jupiter leaves a Saturn world sign and we see the CDC changing its guidelines. I laughed. I said, that's not, you're not changing guidelines. You've just been grabbed by Jupiter leaving a Saturn world sign, <laughs> but it's also Saturn Uranus. When Saturn Uranus come together, you get incremental openings, incremental awakening. So we really, to, to my mind, if you're talking about when are we going to see, you know, getting back to something resembling normal, around the world with COVID, I would guess that it's when Saturn, probably 2023, when Saturn fully leaves its own sign, goes into Jupiter's sign, and is no longer configured in a square with Uranus. Um, until then, I think it's going to be, you know, incremental awakenings, incremental openings. That's the phrase you've heard me use a bunch stole it from Ren Butler's archetypal universe. Love that phrase. It's perfect for Saturn Uranus. You get the kind of two steps forward, one step back feeling in any area of your life, or you get a bunch, you get a bunch of momentum moving forward. Then all of a sudden it's this conservative grounded, pull you back check from Saturn. We're going to see that again in the fall. That's a check on the expansive, youthful, exuberant energies of the spring. And I think everyone should be aware of that, that there's going to be something of a, um, what feels like kind of like resurrection, the judgment horn blasting, things rising from the dead. You get that feeling in the spring. Now that would be obviously the fall if you're in the Southern hemisphere, but you get that feeling in April and May. Now in the, in the fall, which is, I guess, the spring for the Southern Hemisphere, you're looking at the months of September, October into November, early November. Those months, there's kind of a, you're, you're, there's still growth happening, but there's a pretty big reality check that comes back in with Saturn and Uranus. So to me, I look at that and I go, that's the story of 2022. Those transits really bookend the year. Uh, they're not, I guess they're not bookends, but the spring, fall or fall, spring, depending again on your hemisphere. Those are the seasons that I think will really tell the story of the year. Uh, does that mean that the, the, the fall or the uh, Saturn Uranus dynamic sort of defeats or, um, you know, uh, uh, cancels out the uh, spring energy of uh, Jupiter in the spring sign of the ram? Uh the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction? I don't think so. 
Um, but I do think that there's going to be like consequences that we have to come back and deal with and um, a slower movement than we will like around September, October, November, in contrast to that that we experience in April and May. Okay, the last, my third biggest transit of the year. I don't know if they're the biggest transits. I have more I mentioned in my video that I think are the biggest transits, but um, <clears throat> to me, you can't talk about this year without talking about Mars turning retrograde in Gemini. Here's Mars turning retrograde in Gemini. It comes on Halloween. It's like, you know, what are we going to see? Like, the you know, what's that movie where they all go kill each other on Halloween? Um, I, I think it's called The Purge. I'm, I'm pretty sure that happens on Halloween in that movie. I've never even seen it, so don't get me, don't get me wrong. But here you see uh, Mars turning retrograde on Halloween, October 31st. It's the 30th into the 31st. And it's in Gemini. Now, I want to draw your attention to something else, which is that Mercury at the same time is entering Mars's sign of Scorpio. This is really fascinating because you now have what are what is called a mutual reception. You have a mutual reception between Mercury and Scorpio, which is Mars's sign, while Mars is in Gemini, which is Mercury's sign. They're working in cahoots. However, they are also in what is called an aversion to one another, which means they don't see one another. Added to that, Mercury is invisible under the beams of the sun and in what ancient astrologers called a mute sign, which is a water sign, but water signs were mute, which meant that, they meant that they tended to be secretive or that things in water signs often indicated things that were hidden that you couldn't readily see. I will tell you, as I was looking at this with Mars in the double-bodied sign of Gemini and Mercury in this sign of Scorpio, I thought there's going to be either, here's the things that I could see predictions mundane, in, in mundane terms, right? One would be cybersecurity attacks or breaches of security. And the reason for that being that you have all of the signs of something involving technology with Mars retrograde and the airy sign of Mercury. But you also have this mutual reception with a very hidden and secretive looking Mercury. Um, and when you put those two together and they don't see each other, I get the feeling of uh, you know breaches of security, identity theft, I get, um, I get worried myself. For example, I've got that Mars retrograde in my second house around money, finances, and so forth. I'm like, you know, someone could very easily try to impersonate me, which they're doing to tons of astrologers now. By the way, if someone, if someone named Chutababa Das on YouTube approaches you and says, hey, I've got this cool new thing, text me on WhatsApp. That is not me, <laughs> first of all. And second of all, <clears throat> what you should do is uh, you should report that post. Uh, I don't know if it gives you guys the option to, but if I will never send you a message saying, text me on WhatsApp, okay? If you ever see me giving you a WhatsApp number, it's not me. So but people have been impersonating astrologers quite a bit. Um, so I look at this and I go, it's perfect for that kind of thing. Don't answer the prince's email who needs $5,000 from some country you've never heard of. You know, you know what I mean? Remember, I don't know if you guys remember those emails. Um, what else? 
this is a transit that to me, not only issues around cyber security, but around theft, around fraud. Um, I think the potential for there to be big stories in the news about uh, data breaches or the sharing or mining of data in ways that are illegal or should be illegal. Um, I think anything involving privacy, security, information is going to be a big deal. Those are best guesses, of course. I'm not Nostradamus, but Nostradamus. Um, the other thing is that, you know, when Mars was retrograde in uh, Gemini, we had back in the early 90s, some of the biggest moments in the development of the internet were occurring. It's a time where um, to be, uh, you know, Mars retrograde in a Mercury ruled sign. Mercury and Mars together in the ancient world were associated with math, science, and what we would now call technology or inventions or inventors. I could see some kind of new products being invented during this time, even if we don't see them right away. Um, I could also see the uh, concern about emotional communication and, and intelligence, online bullying, uh, issues around like new ideas about how youth or children should be using or interacting with social media, some, somehow being a real concern during this time. But also for all of us individually, emotional intelligence, uh, communica communication and intelligence, um, how are we using information? How are we speaking and communicating with each other? I think those will be major topics. Um, I would also look at this and say something around money, right? Mercury was ruled the, the mercantile class and was a planet associated with marketplaces. Mars goes retrograde. Mercury's in, in, in this transformational process starting to emerge as the evening star. It's as though a new trend or a new some, something new that's popular maybe happening in the marketplaces will emerge in the fall from like October um, onward. That's another guess because of what you're seeing happen with Mercury. Here, Mercury's in the process of emerging as an evening star while Mars is retrograde in Mercury's sign. That often speaks to like a new trend or a new fad that suddenly appears in the collective, especially in the evening star position for Mercury. So those are some things that I've just been like, that's a really big deal, that transit. We'll be doing a big, a lot of treatment on it, of course, when we get to the fall, but you'll start getting a feel for that transit earlier in the year at the time that Mars actually enters Gemini. So Mars enters Gemini, let's see, about August 20th, it looks like, right around August 20th. So August 20th, and that retrograde lasts from late October, right around Halloween, to the middle of January 2023. It's a long, long journey we're going on with Mars. Nice that it has some support. It, it's in a trine with Saturn in Aquarius. So being able to deal with things mentally, rationally, also something I mentioned in my astrology of 2022 video, there's a boatload of very supportive aspects and trines and sextiles that come in during the weeks just following Mars's initial station in retrograde, which makes me think things, things could go haywire right around the end of October, beginning of, of November. But then you see a lot of supportive aspects that look like problem solving. So I do think that if things go kind of nutty uh, with, you know, especially with like technology, it's kind of like Mars retrograde in, in, in um, Gemini is a bit like a Mercury, a really long Mercury retrograde on steroids. 
I know that sounds kind of ominous, but that's the truth. It's like, this is, this is the, you know, the God of strife and action retrograding in Mercury's sign. Just think about that for a while at any rate. Um, <clears throat> okay. So those to me are the major, I've got, those are my head scratchers. That, that's, that's what I'm looking at as, you know, that, that's what I've got my eye on for 2022. Um, if there are any questions in the chat box, I will be happy to take them. If you have any questions about these three transits that I mentioned today. Um, otherwise, I want to remind everybody that I'm just about little over 50 backers away from reaching my goal this year. If you haven't pitched in, uh, there's the link. Let's see. Could you speak of Earth, please? Why is Earth not talked about? Well, Earth is not one of the planets that we use in uh, astrology because Earth is the implied uh, ground of astrology. So Earth plays a really central role in the cosmological model of ancient astrology. Uh, it is called the sublunary sphere, Earth. And Earth represents us, our situation as human beings. Earth is the realm of coming to be and passing away. It is the stage upon which all energies manifest, express themselves, and fall away. So Earth is the Earth doesn't have an influence on us because we are Earth. That's the that's the implication within the metaphysical model. In other words, uh, your life, uh, the fact that you have a birth chart that that says something about what kinds of events and energies and themes will play out in your life. Uh, the implication is that it will play out the, on the stage of Earth, which is also the stage of your body, the stage of your constitutional place in the cosmos so earth is the earth is the stage that it all happens upon it is the place where these energies are received and enacted and, and the, the place in which they manifest so it, in that sense uh it is not a <clears throat> it's not an active agent in the same way that the other planets are it's a receptive agent in the sense that it, it receives the influences of the planets and then expresses them in a like in a mirror like way. Like the earth is sort of like a, a beautiful astral mirror that everything. And that's why the, the, the earth, the, the closest planet to the earth and the planet most closely related with the energies of the earth was the moon whose light was like a mirror reflective in nature. So that's the earth's presence in the ancient model of astrology. I hope that helps. Okay. Yes. The link to the Kickstarter is right here. I've posted it a few times, but thank you. When is COVID over or did I miss that? <laughs> First of all, I have no idea. Um, second of all, I, I would guess that you're going to see uh, the most there's going to be some big shifts in the year ahead as we see Saturn Uranus in the fall, those incremental awakenings. But as long as Saturn Uranus is configured even by whole sign, I think that we're we're still dealing with some level of restrictiveness. And um, that passes in 2023 when Saturn moves into Jupiter's sign, where now Jupiter is dominant rather than Saturn. And Saturn is no longer configured to Uranus in a square, but rather a sextile. 
to me, 2023 and beyond is where I've had my kind of my eyes set in terms of like really big, you know, kind of almost like just, I don't want to say going back to normal because who knows if there will be a normal or what normal looks like at this point, but I see that as probably a target date. Um, I think we're going to feel like things are taking major steps this spring. My sense is probably by the fall, we'll, we'll be dealing with a little bit of pushback maybe from Saturn Uranus. Um, but again, the incremental awakening theme, the incremental loosening of bondage and so forth, that'll persist through the fall of 2022. That's my sense. <clears throat> Everyone in the Pluto in the Pluto return. Yeah, everyone's interested in the Pluto return. Um, you know, hold on a second. So there's a... Uh, <clears throat> There's a good book, if you ever want to look this up, called The Book of World Horoscopes by Nicholas Campion. And in this book, he has a number of different um, a number of different dates. And I happen to really like the um, there's a date, there's a chart that I like that is not the Sibley chart. Basically, I don't think, personally, I don't think the Sibley chart is the, um, is correct. Let me just see if I can find it. Hold on just a second. Da -da -da -da. Okay. I'm trying to see if I can find where it is that he talks about this. If I can find it quickly, I'll do it, but I'll tell you about this. But otherwise, yes. So the chart that I uh, personally like quite a bit is called the um the usa proclamation of independence chart and it actually takes place on uh july 8th 1776 uh so <clears throat> the independence of the 13 colonies was proclaimed when the declaration of independence was read out in state house square in philadelphia at noon on july 8th 1776 so there is a chart. I mean, if you listen to it, what's interesting, further proclamations of independence were held as news spread, right? But you get this idea of bonfires on street corners, houses illuminated with candles. Um, so when is there a public and sort of collective sense of the recognition of um, the nation forming? It's really that day. That's the sort of collective day where it becomes apparent and a public proclamation is made. So I, even though the documents are signed on a certain, on a certain day, right, you've got July 4th, obviously, as this major day, but 
I've spent a lot of time looking at the USA's chart and I happen to prefer the proclamation chart for a lot of reasons. Maybe sometime I'll do a video about it. I don't care. I wouldn't die on a hill over it. I could be totally wrong. Maybe it is the July 4th chart, but I happen to like the proclamation of independence chart on the 8th a little bit better. Um, you know, it's funny because everyone's like, what do you think the what do you think we're in for for the Pluto return? <laughs> I'm like, no one knows because we've never seen it before. Right. Literally in the history of modern astrology, we don't even know if Pluto returns and national charts are really a thing or not. I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to like rain on the parade. Like, I'm sure that there's some impact, that there's some effect. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know, because, you know, in the history of astrology, we, we really haven't seen returns of outer planets in, in nations since the outer planets have been a known factor in our analysis so I'm more interested in just watching and learning and reflecting than I am in making any big predictions because I think it would be really disingenuous. It's unless you're psychic, it's just a best guess because you've never, you don't, we don't know enough about Pluto returns and national charts. Uh, so that's kind of where I sit. But I mean, you can, you can look at its configuration in any one of the United States charts and take some, take some educated guesses. Um, but yeah, so any, at any rate. Uh, okay. Any other questions? Someone says, does astrology indicate if humans are able to decentralize our toxic institutions? Are there any transits in history that may have reflected a less hierarchical society? Um, you know, I, I well, I don't know a way of answering that. That means that that question has built into it all kinds of philosophical and political bias. And so I'm not saying that you're wrong or anything. I'm just saying it's a, it's a tricky question to answer because one could very easily say, for example, just for example, one could easily say that um, there will always be some element of toxicity in the sublunary world because it's a world of... Uh, you know, temporary forms. It's that you can't have perfection here. Um, another, someone may also say that hierarchy is um, a natural organizing structure within the universe and not the only organizing structure, but it is a organizing structure that is endogenous to nature. So you can't like get rid of it um, because it's just part of how things are. Uh, it's not the only way. Could there be other ways that become more prominent at one time and less prominent at another? I suspect so. But uh, those are things that I think ancient philosophers probably would have suggested is that a utopia is not really possible in terms of the sublunary sphere. That's why they were interested in enlightenment and, and ceasing the cycle of death and rebirth in the material energy in part. Not that it's a, a place to be damned either, or a place that doesn't deserve all of our care and stewardship, but it's also not a place to seek permanent, you know, solutions uh, because of its temporary nature. Um, and also, um, you know, I think ancient astrologers probably would have said uh, that hierarchy is one organizing, like an archetype, organizing schemes are archetypal. So one archetypal organizing structure is hierarchy and there will be positive and negative examples of hierarchy and they will come and go throughout history at different times. So, you know, I suspect that a lot of um, our 
exploration of hierarchy and any kinds of toxic examples of hierarchy are heightened as Pluto is working its way through Saturn ruled signs now, but also it will do so when it goes through Aquarius. Um, so, you know, could, will things continue? These kinds of structures continue to be uh, deconstructed or alternative forms of organization continue to be explored with greater success or failure, probably as they go through it. But um, yeah, I don't pretend personally to know exactly what's needed. Kind of like, I'm not sitting around being like, well, you know, if only they would have put me in charge a couple hundred years ago, I'd really have this whole thing figured out. <laughs> so I hope that helps. Just my own thoughts. It's a tough question to answer. Um, I've already gone through if what's your take on 2022 prediction? You missed the first part of the talk. <laughs> that's, that's where I, I talked about this very thing. So let's see. Going back. Um, I donated to rising horoscope the other day, but did not see, we'll ask for your information um, after the Kickstarter has closed on January 1st. So probably on Monday, we'll email everybody and ask for all the information that we need. Your cards are not charged by the way, until the day that the Kickstarter is completed. So I think that ends up being January 1st, all of the cards will be run. So right now you're data has just been stored. And when the Kickstarter is complete, then they actually charge your card for the donation you made. And then we reach out and, um, you know, send you your reward um, or follow up with information about how to receive it or, or whatever we might need from you to give it to you. Um, have you ever thought of new ways of placing flat earth in the center? I like 3D programs for astrology, but would rather see planets moving around Earth, just like astrological charts we draw and explain. If you're talking about flat Earth theory, um, I have no interest in that personally, zero. But if you're talking about some kind of interesting uh, modeling that would give us the sort of geocentric divination point of view that ancient astrology embodies. I think that would be really interesting. Do you like numerology? I do. I know very little about it. Um, honestly, I, I, it's like, don't know. Don't know. I've, I've got, I just haven't gotten into it very much. With Jupiter, Neptune, and exalted Venus, do you feel it will set up an opportunity for more nature-based spirituality to come in the forefront? I don't think there's any lack of that right now. Um, I think that there's always, to me, it's not like, I just don't go looking for things to become trendy. You know, it's like, I don't, nature-based spirituality just exists. It always has, and it always will. And um, as a society, are we all going to start running to the woods or something? I doubt it, doubt it very much, but um, could there be some rise in ecological awareness or a feminine way of knowing at least while Jupiter's in Pisces. I think that's possible, but I just, I don't think that there's going to be um, like some new nature-based spirituality. Na there's not, all the spiritualities exist eternally, right? And then we, we repackage them in, in different ways. And so maybe there's something like that that happens um, during Jupiter, Neptune in particular, that there's, but you know, I, I, I'm cynical 
what if, if it become if it becomes popular it probably becomes cheap you know what i mean like it probably is like it's like the 1960s before you know it it's a black light and a t-shirt you know what i mean like i just i wouldn't go i'd say it's a good time to maybe go to nature but not necessarily pinning my hopes on there being some kind of big spiritual revival happening in the forest sorry that's just my see my 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 cynical capricorn moon coming out <laughs> Okay, let's see. Um, we're inside of an earth suit. I like that comment. That was good. Let's see. Uh, any other questions? Will it be a good year for Capricorns? Nope. You always get coal in your stocking. <laughs> nope just hard work and seriousness that's all that's all you get uh let's see um how will music fare with jupiter neptune well that jupiter neptune venus triple conjunction i wouldn't be surprised if like uh, some new movies came out or um, some new art or something like that, that was very reflective of those energies. Like at that time, that would be, I wouldn't like, for example, I think there's a new avatar movie coming out. Wouldn't be surprising to see something like that being the trailer dropping, or I don't know, something like that, but yeah, new movies, art that will match the vibe of that, those April Piscean transits. I think so for sure. Um, when do the collective Neptunian delusions end, i.e. facts, evidence, and science take precedence once again in the U.S.? We don't have this problem in other nations to the same degree. Well, I think that I, I'm, again, like without getting into some of the assumptions or whatever that are, might be built into the question, I, I don't know if I can answer it. So I would just say that um, Saturn Uranus tends to provoke a suspicion of authority. So the, it's just a time, it's a time right now where, you know, it's, it's, it's not popular if you're someone who looks for your authority and life guidance uh, from like the government. This is just a tough match for Saturn and Uranus. There's going to be a, a general distrust of authorities and any kind of institution like government or the CDC or all of those kinds of things, as long as Saturn and Uranus are squaring one another, in, in my humble opinion. That does not mean that I take all of my life advice from the government or from what established institutions of Western medicine or science have to say, but I also don't reject them. Um, I don't personally believe there's necessarily an incompatibility between mysticism and science, though I do think that you can see people who are extremely dogmatic um, about either people who completely reject some of the um you know um the the, the special uh gifts that western medicine brings us you know i have a lot of family members in um you know my mom's a psychiatric nurse practitioner my sister uh is a an occupational therapist we've got doctors in the family so 
I don't, I think there's, there's, you know, there's blessings that come with allopathic, like Western medicine, but there's also, you know, people who, um, will completely reject the mind's capacity to heal itself or the natural need for the immune system to work on its own terms. And, um, for there to be things like prayer, meditation, herbal medicine, uh, psychedelics. I mean, so I just, I have kind of like a, I guess it's the, the, Saturn in Libra, Jupiter in Libra in me, I have, I'm able to take wisdom wherever I feel that it comes or wherever it appears. But I'm always suspicious when people draw a hard binary, it's all holistic, or it's all scientific, it's fact based, or it's irrational, or it's, I find that most of that those hard binaries just um, repulse me, there's something about them that I just go like, nah, that's just me personally, I don't think this has anything to do with astrology, right? So but I'm just saying, uh, in terms of your question about Neptunian delusions, I don't think that it's really about delusions as much as it is about um, who and what we put our faith in, in terms of authority figures. And that's a, just a tough match when Saturn and Uranus are getting into it with each other, or Saturn has been with Pluto, for example, um, which tends to you know, expose the, uh, a certain amount of corruption at the roots and, um, you know, and we're also, you know, we're just, we're in the Kali Yuga. In general, in the Kali Yuga, according to the ancient Vedic texts, one feature of the Kali Yuga is that the Kali Yuga is an age of quarrel and hypocrisy. So, you know, one thing that I feel acutely aware of within myself is anytime I, you know, I, I start getting on a soapbox about something, and I do, just as I'm sure we all do, you're becoming a hypocrite really quickly. Because I might speak, you know, about uh, how materialistic and how, you know, what a consumer-driven society we have, right? And I might speak out one side of my mouth on my YouTube channel and then run to the front door to get my Amazon delivery. You know what I mean? So I just, I think that it's an, it's an age where the easiest thing to do and maybe the most unconscious thing that we do is act hypocritically. Um, and so I'm just really, I'm, I, I feel very, um, I don't know, just aware of the propensity that we all have for self-righteousness and hypocrisy. And um, so one of the symptoms of the age of Kali Yuga is also that rather than the most philosophically or spiritually sensitive, caring, concerned members of society being the quote unquote ruling class, the people who are shaping decisions, making leadership, basically, um, that rather than the people who are most emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, intellectually intelligent, making those decisions, we have the, the in the Kali Yuga, it said that the business class will make the decisions. So people's, the, the, the leadership is a lot of it's defined by, you know, interest in money. So that's according to the Vedic tradition and how they, how it describes the Kali Yuga, which is the kind of dark age that the tradition describes that we're in right now, far from the very recently made up idea of the age of Aquarius, by the way. At any rate, um, one of the things that uh, is also, um, I think that we can just observe in the world is that a lot of the distrust for institutions and in any place that has authority, even if that authority is rooted in something like, you know, objective, maybe science that people feel is trying to be helpful or whatever, is you have to understand that, that 
all the societies or all of these institutions in the world are also a lot of them, the leadership is being run uh, through interest in money and, and corporate greed. And that even if, so it's really hard for people to discern what should I listen to and what shouldn't I, when I know that some of what's being peddled to me as truth is probably rooted in corporate self-interest. And um, I think that makes it just really hard. It's just a really hard environment to be discerning about where and who to place your trust in and where, where good information is coming from. So I try to look at it that way so that I can empathize with wherever people are at. Uh, if they're taking a vaccine or if they're not taking a vaccine, if they're having one view of government or another view of government, because I have to take that view because in my life, for whatever reason, God placed me in a lifetime, I guess, where a huge amount of people in my life would be split. Like people, friends, dear friends that I've known my whole life are conservative. Dear friends I've known my whole life are liberal. Family members are conservative. Family members are liberal. And I can't go around with some smug inner sense of knowing everything that's right and true without feeling like a hypocrite. So I just don't. Why? You know, it's such a cliche, but I find that it's easier to just try to um, make the best decisions I can while staying acutely aware of my tendency toward hypocrisy and self-righteousness and try to love others as more of the mission in my life than trying to have some kind of certainty about what's right or true. Um, I, I think that that's something else that people are just, I think you, you have to look at like, <clears throat> in general, the way in which the, the, a lot of, I heard Bill Maher say this the other day, and I really appreciated it. He said, Right now, I think it's less about policies dividing people than it is about uh, hatred. Or, you know, put more simply that people, the, you know, in, in political sense or in all these big decisions we make, whether they're political or not, are you going to get a vaccine or you're not going to get a vaccine, all this stuff, that those, um, those spaces are de uh, largely determined before information has even been available, facts or not facts have even been available. People have, um, those aren't my people, this is my people, this is, you know, so it's, um, people don't like each other. That's the, you know, to me, I think that's, that's more problematic than questions about what is, uh, you know, the best thing to do in a given situation, whose authority is trustworthy and who's not. I think it's more basic than that. It's more, it's, it's more about looking for what draws us together what creates empathy and compassion and um, what creates some, you know, what brings us back to a sense of being able to like each other at the same table, even if we have different views. I believe that's severely lacking. These are just my personal beliefs. There's nothing to do with astrology. You asked, so I'm just sharing a few thoughts with you. Um, but there's a reason that I don't get into this kind of stuff regularly on my YouTube channel, because I find that it's very divisive and the goal of my YouTube channel is to use astrology to bring people closer to uh, divine consciousness, which is rooted in love and compassion and humility. Uh, so I, I find that, uh, you know, if I fly off, if I start flying off the handle too much, it drives people away and um, drives people away from the only really good thing that I have to offer, which is um, something of my spiritual commitment to astrology. So anyway, I hope uh, I hope you guys. I'm gonna go now. 
I hope you guys have a, on that note, I hope you guys have a really beautiful day. Remember, we have just today and tomorrow left in the Kickstarter. We need 50 more backers. Can you guys pitch in and support this channel in the year ahead? Pick up a Astrology of 2022 video where I do a really deep dive into everything. Uh, there's a year ahead horoscope reading, half off all my classes. The link is in the chat box. Thank you guys very much for listening. I look forward to sharing a whole new year with all of you. You guys are just the awesomest audience. Um, it's been a pleasure to read your stories and share space together throughout the year. And wherever you're coming from, bless you.